Hello there, ladies and gentlemen. This is Zeiss. We have finally arrived. This is the final episode of Season 1 of Access Granted. Next month we will continue with Season 2, of course. There will be some minor changes, but nothing too big. I wanted to take this time to thank all of you listeners for listening, for coming in, for subscribing uh, on, on SoundCloud and for commenting and for, you know, giving me your thoughts on the subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash fui. Also, a huge thanks to all of my guests. This podcast would not exist without you. And uh, I just, I, I don't know what to say. Thank you for letting me pick your brains. It's always, always super interesting. And you are all absolutely lovely and really fascinating people. I have to thank Mediacracy for creating the Season 1 music, intro and outro, as well as the Access Granted sound logo. And of course, the fantastic Mark Stuckett, who created the FUI logo. Last but not least, Amy Sophie for being the voice of the Access Granted computer. By the way, you can now subscribe to Access Granted on iTunes, on Stitcher and on TuneIn Radio. You can also find the podcast under the URL fui.design. Now, let's get into this month's episode. I am chatting with Eric Beaumont, the CEO slash COO of Ventas. If you have listened to the podcast before, you have heard the name Ventas drop in pretty much every single episode because I was really fascinated and interested in the software and I couldn't quite figure it out really. So I sent them an email and asked if I could just sit down and chat with them. They happily obliged. And so there I was, chatting with Eric about Ventus 5, the newest version of Ventus, which is about to come out. There's a beta program which you can sign up for. There's a link in the link dump, as always. But alas, I've taken enough time of yours. Let's jump into the episode. But I have to warn you, there's a part in the middle somewhere where I talk about an FUI project. I've been working on in Photoshop. And I say that it is about 32,000 layers big. That number is not true. The script I've used to count the layers was bugged. Uh, I have since found a different script which told me that the final project was, before consolidating, about 2,100 layers big. So still insane, but not quite as insane. In any case, without further ado, here he is, Eric Beaumont. Access granted. Right, so, I... How about we begin with you, actually? Uh, sure, sure. Just, just where you're coming from, uh, what your job, Adventus is, uh, etc. Sure. So my name is Eric Beaumont. I'm the COO of the company, which is Chief Operating Officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, actually, because we have a U.S. dependency, I'm CEO of the U.S. division and COO of Global. If you can figure out what that means, tell me. <laughs> right um, so... Uh, my background is actually uh, typical of anybody that's kind of in the computer graphics uh, world is that it's completely confused and weird. Um, I actually studied Chinese, um, ended up somehow over three corners working for um, Softimage after mm-hmm. my graduation. Softimage, I hope people still know it. It was like <laughs> one of the big uh, 3D graphics softwares it was used yeah. for Jurassic Park and all that sort of thing. So I worked for them for uh a number of years until uh, Autodesk uh, came along and decided then I was going to leave the company and not do another transition there. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, I was uh, looking around and, you know, I, I'd known these guys uh, at Ventus um, from earlier, 
back when they were sort of beginning to have this idea and concept. And um, at the time, they were desperate for uh, somebody to do the pro- product management side of things. Because right. they were sort of growing from this startup to a real company. And um, so I sort of jumped in there. And that was, I think now, well, six years ago. Jeez. And so I've now matured and grown up inside the company as well. And um, so about two years ago, I took over the COO position. Mm-hmm. Uh, to sort of help guide the uh, company in, into sort of a more mature company. It's it's, it's really weird because, I mean, I'm an American, but I've been living in Germany. And mm-hmm. you look at you look at uh, a company like Ventus and you compare it to what the typical sort of American business model is. Yeah. And if you look at like an American company, what they do is they do the startup. They have this great technical idea. They get venture capital. They throw a lot of money at it. They, you know, do this huge boom thing. And if it doesn't work within a couple of years, then, you know, they sort of go, ah, well, you know, let's uh, try and you know, reshape it or do something else. But I mean, Ventus has been at this for 11 years now. Damn. Um, a long time. I mean, in the graphics industry, you know, it's a long time. And, um, and they've, they've gone through this process of, you know, well, we're just going to grow, you know, organically and carefully and just do our thing. And we know where we're going. And, um, so it's been this transition where, you know, Ventus has been doing all sorts of stuff for, you know, this very, very long time. And now they're all of a sudden we're in the process of going, wow, okay, you know, actually we're all over the place and we sort of never realized it because the growth was sort of so slow and organic, not really slow, but it's just organic that you Mm -hmm. don't, it's like sitting in a bathtub that's slowly getting colder and colder. You don't quite notice it until it's too cold, you know, (laughs) or it's like sitting in a, you know, if you're a frog in a boiling water, it's getting warmer and warmer and you don't notice until it's too hot. Um, And sort of been there. Now we're looking around going, holy cow, what has happened? Um, so it's actually kind of cool, but uh, it's also very sort of unexpected for me. Um, it's a very different approach, which is cool. I mean, it's really nice to work in. It's actually a great environment to work in because, you know, we're a completely self-owned company. There's no external, you know, people saying, you know, go this way. We need profit. We need this, that, the other. You know, we make enough, you know, we make our money and we're happy and it's all comfortable. And we always have enough to grow considerably every year, but that's yeah. not that weird pressure, you know. That's that's uh, really uncomfortable in a lot of places. And I've seen so many companies that have just gone belly up just because of that external pressure that they have to meet these weird targets that you know, don't have anything to do with the real world. You know? For sure. Yeah. That's where I come from. That's sort of what my background is. <laughs> it's nice. There's a lot to be said about that being a self-owned company, which is kind of rare nowadays, I think. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I have full control over yourself. That's nice. I always have, every time I talk about Ventus uh, mm-hmm. to, to FEI designers and, and screen graphics designers, they never heard of it. But yeah. I have a really hard time trying to explain what exactly it does. Could you help me out there? If you can figure out an elevator pitch for our software, uh, you know, <laughs> fantastic. Um, it's actually really difficult because Ventus has two problems, really big problems. Number one is it does way too much. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, and that sounds like, hey, that's a great thing, but it's actually, it makes it really hard to describe what, what Ventus does. The other problem about it is it's probably the best kept secret um, in this world, uh, you know, in the graphics <laughs> world. I mean, it really, it yeah. really is. So anybody that's in the US or um, the North Americas has seen Ventus. Mm-hmm. Everybody, because um, pretty much every baseball graphic uh, that you watch on television, you know, the scoreboards, the, you know, um, all of that sort of thing, that's Ventus on air. If you've ever watched a television game show, that's Ventus, almost certainly. Yeah. You know, who wants to be a millionaire, all of that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that's that's sort of the broadcast arm. But where it gets interesting is when you get into the areas of like interactive displays 
or um, you're looking at, uh, you know, museum installations or there's so many cases of Ventus being used. What happens, though, is that you have an agency and for the agency, it's a tool. When you see an amazing graphic on the web or, you know, you, you look at, um, you know, somebody's done some UI work or something, you don't go, oh, hey, that was that was After Effects. That was amazing. You know, you go, hey, that artist is amazing. Yeah. And it's the same with Ventus. But nobody ever mentions the tool because it's a it's been kind of a secret sauce. Mm. You know, people have been able to do a lot of stuff that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise. Sure. And B, we're so far down the food chain in these projects that the tool sort of gets lost somewhere in that process. Right. So it, it's really been amazing because we, we have the same problem that, you know, we'll run across, well, wow, that's an amazing project. Who did that? Wow, that's incredible. And somebody goes, oh, yeah, by the way, that was your software. Really? It was. <laughs> uh, OK, that's cool. Amazing. So that's sort of been our, our actually our, probably our biggest stumbling block. Right. So what does the software do? It's a real time 3D engine. Mm-hmm. And um, you can think of it a little bit like maybe like a game engine for professional you know, use. Mm-hmm. But that alone is just an, when people think of engine, they think of, you know, OK, um, really hard to use. Uh, you need to program to be able to do anything. Yeah. You need a whole team of you know, artists and that sort of thing. So what Ventus tried to do is make a tool set that allowed you to create content for such a real time environment using sort of a more traditional node-based workflow. Mm-hmm. If we go back to where Ventus started, the whole idea was that in the very beginning, what was happening is post-production, there was a big post-production company in uh, in Germany that was doing, that ended up doing events because we all know what the post-production industry was yeah. doing. Um, so they were looking for, you know, some other business. So they ended up actually, and it was for, um, it was for Microsoft. It was some events for Microsoft. It was the Xbox launch events and oh, yeah. um, some big sort of system things. And so the whole idea was, okay, we want to do some real-time graphics because we want to, We need to be able to make changes really quickly. We can't re-render every time the customer wants a change, not for an event. Yeah. And we need to um, be able to have, you know, a good quality. And at the time, the only real-time things for professional were things called infernos. Uh, do you know what an inferno is? Not well. I know, <laughs> not in a software yes, world. Okay. Just... <laughs> in the software world. Okay, so an inferno was a tool by um, back then. It was called Discrete. And it was a compositing machine that was in an SGI box. Mm. And I think the box alone cost a million and a half dollars. Good God. Um, and, you know, it was the size of a refrigerator and it needed, you know, um, high voltage, you know, power things. And all. I mean, this is this nightmare thing. And <laughs> it was the only system that was really built for real time compositing. Mm-hmm. And so in order to do this show, you'd need like four of these machines. And so that was like, you know, five million dollars in hardware alone just to launch a graphics box that cost $500 that had better graphics at the end. Christ. And we're just saying, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah. There's no way. So how can we use this technology, you know, these, these Xbox, this, the, the games, the all of this stuff, but in a professional setting? Yeah. And broadcasters have actually been doing that for a long time, but they never looked over at the game stuff at, hey, what are the possibilities? So the idea came, okay, let's take a tool that uses this technology back in direct X and, you know, all the game sort of ideas, but make it into a professional tool and make it usable for events, and broadcast graphics and installations and all of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the birth and origin of the software. Right. And the biggest problem with that idea is that when it started, it was as many tools are, um, you know, Nuke and all of these tools, it was built for a 
production company. So it was built with their workflow in mind, with their needs in mind. Yeah. And after a while, they decided, hey, you know, we can spin this off as a product and, and you know, separate it from the company and make an own company and all that sort of thing. And that happened. But for a long time, the product was still based upon that original idea. And if you look at, you know, softwares out there, so many of these products that have gone through that, that birth have those same problems. And so it's interesting that we're having this conversation now because just now we're about to release the uh, next generation of Ventus, which is Ventus 5. That's why so I came to you. <laughs> I thought right, that's perfect timing. Yeah, well, it is. And it's the next generation. And for the first time, what we've done is actually gone away from the requirements of some of these system integrator houses, which are much more technical, and really said, we need a tool that's artist focused. Mm -hmm. So the whole focus of Ventus 5 is to make it into an artist tool. And it's actually ended up completely changing the tool. Nice. Um, and it's really, really fun now. So yeah, that's, um, that's what it does. That's excellent. Where we are. I've downloaded the designer, which is you know free to use on the website, I believe. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, it's been it's been somewhat hard coming from a After Effects background to to get Completely. wrap my head around it. Absolutely. Yeah. So you changed that with uh, version five. Um, you would sort of? you would not recognize the software. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you know it's it's again it's sort of one of those weird things when we first started the software you know i wasn't actually there yet but when i when i came on board the idea was still going strong we kept it that if you build a geeky tool the geeks will love it and it'll work yeah, right yeah. that was sort of our idea so we built this super geeky tool that required technical know-how mm -hmm. and we expected sort of people out there would go hey this is great you know whatever and that happened but unfortunately, we also found out that the people that were using this the most were the people that refused to talk to anybody else. <laughs> so, um, we, um, so our, our, our whole initiative over the last, oh, I don't know, year and a half is now say, OK, so the geeks are happy with the tool. Mm -hmm. You know, the, 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 the tech guys, the, the guys that know how to shader code, that know how to, you know, build uh, node based. But the people that used After Effects or Photoshop or cinema or whatever you want, mm -hmm. those are the guys that really get the most out of Ventus. Let's let's start talking to them as well. So the whole focus has really been towards people like you, you know, who know After Effects, but want to move into a real-time environment, yeah. um, who know cinema and want to be able to make that cinema object touch capable, right? Yeah, Without sure. needing to program. That's where we've gone with Ventus 5. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. I've been hoping for this for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, me too. Tell me about it. <laughs> Since the podcast features, you know, mostly FUI stuff, and as I just told you before, it's it, it focuses in the industry, the focus is currently on Adobe Director, which is outdated and not supported by Adobe anymore. Like, the thing, I don't know, do you know Adobe Director? Yes, I do. Actually, you it was do. a new background was Macromedia. Right. <laughs> nice. In, in terms of what that does. Do you think it, Ventus could replace it in the future? So I'm really careful with statements like that, mainly <laughs> because replacing anybody is, you know, hey, we're going to do some of the stuff they do really well and some of the stuff, no. But mm. here's what Ventus does really well. Mm -hmm. And that'll sort of answer your question. Sure. Is if you need a graphic system that's built not for a linear timeline, 
I mean, we can do linear timelines, but, but built for a nonlinear timeline. Mm-hmm. So an interactive, maybe like a menu. You press a button, there's an animation that happens to open the menu. Then you press one of the menu items, an animation happens to open that. But then you decide to close it, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Where there's multiple timelines going on at the same time. So this menu thing is one timeline or one set of timelines. But then you have a logo spinning, a background element twisting and turning, a, you know, maybe some sort of um, fade ins, fade out, all of those sorts of things. These are many, many different timelines happening all at once. Mm-hmm. That's what Ventus is absolutely excellent at. The other thing that people who know the old director tool mm-hmm. and then look at Ventus go, oh, wow, is our state logic engine. So we have a state logic based animation tool. Mm-hmm. So that you're not animating just in a timeline, but you're setting states saying, you know, I'm here and now I have five choices and any one of those has an animation path to it. And now I'm here and I have, you know, another 10 choices or three choices or whatever and loops and all of that sort of thing. So you're building an animation flow, like almost like a flow chart, as well as um, just simply animating in one straight timeline like you do in After Effects. So. For a lot of the things that Director was used for, that's perfect. And it's a great replacement. Cool. Uh, can you hotkey those states? Absolutely. You can hotkey. And that's, again, one of the core ideas of Ventus was we had no idea what our customers were going to get up to. Mm-hmm. In fact, we were certain that no matter what ideas we came up with, they were going to break them. <laughs> And if you look at, I mean, if you look at our the YouTube channel of the kinds of projects that our customers get into, oh yeah, it's the weirdest stuff. I mean, there's people, you know, building touch-capable mannequins that you press, and then there's a suit configurator that pops up on a different screen. You know, all this stuff that there's no way we can anticipate it. So Ventus was built as open and flexible as was possible. Mm-hmm. You know, just completely. So. You know, for input devices, whether it's a keyboard or a mouse or a joystick or a MIDI, you know, keyboard or MIDI controller or OSC or, you know, maybe maybe have like an OSC application on your your iPad and you want to control your presentation or your content that way. Any of that works out of the box. The other part about it is that even if it doesn't work, it's really easy to get into Ventus to, you know, send signals in or get it talking to other things. So I got one of those uh, leap motion devices, yeah, yeah. you know, way back when they first came out. And I was like, OK, you know, let's try it out. And it took me about really about half an hour to get it working with Ventus, even though I had no, you know, nothing's no specific connectors from leap to ventus i just and i'm not a programmer right so i had it I, there was a couple lines of code that i copied and pasted and i actually got it working within about half an hour <laughs> going okay and then i had something that's like okay great now what um so <laughs> move on to the next thing but yeah i mean so that's what ventus is really so hot keys but not just on a keyboard make yeah. it you know you're going to build some sort of control panel with some buttons that you're hacking a joystick controller or something like that you're stealing that's my questions cool. now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, that was my next question. Just, just <laughs> if if you were technically able to build your own hotkey console Absolutely. sort of thing, that's really Absolutely. really cool. How about this? This is the other thing about FUI design, yeah. right? Yeah, you don't only have screens on a monitor where someone sits behind the scenes and fires off a hotkey as soon as the actor types on a keyboard that's not plugged in into anywhere. Right, um, right. There's also, you know, often phones and tablets. Is it possible to stream something onto there or to put something yeah. on there? Ooh. Yeah, it is. Now, so the biggest problem that we come up with, actually, is um, uh, in that sort of area, is 
Ventus is Windows based. Mm-hmm. Um, our first our first customer was Microsoft. Um, yeah. <laughs> in, you know, Eleven years of history. You know, we made a decision that if you're going to launch the Xbox kind of uh, event, you can't do it on OpenGL. You know, it's yeah. like it was sort of a political thing back then, and, and sort of we sort of got stuck in that. So we're .NET based, and we're, we're um, DirectX based, and we're Windows based. So making it mobile is a little bit. I mean, there's no way to get. When uh, Ventus running on a phone or anything like that, but streaming absolutely. So we have a lot of cases where, um, you know, maybe it's like a, a showroom, mm-hmm. um, you know, automotive showroom or you know, a high-end flagship store kind of thing, and they want a tablet control. And what they do is they just have somewhere they have a machine, they do um, a desktop streaming kind of thing, like a splash top or something like that. Send the touch back, and it works perfectly well. So that's that's easily doable. the The important thing if you're doing like um a stream, if you're going to want it interactive, you need some sort of desktop streaming system that allows the touch points to actually get back to the Ventus machine. Right. And then it's fully interactive. There's a little bit of a lag, of course, but usually that's manageable as long as you're not, you know, streaming from Botswana or something. Like that. <laughs> right on. <clears throat> How about the setup that you would need? So I'm guessing your average designer will probably only need the designer and maybe the director program, right? Yeah. So we actually, it's another weird philosophy that goes against everybody else out there in the world. Is uh, We decided we didn't want lots of plugins and add-ons and, and whatever. So we've actually made the software. So you buy a piece of software and Everything we have is kind of in there. Hmm. You don't, you don't, and keep the product sort of really as simple as possible in terms of you know uh, licensing and all that. So we have three things: we have a designer, we have a runtime, which is the kind of standalone engine, and we have director, which is now that I think about it, actually kind of funny that we named it director. Um, (laughs) What thinking back, huh? Um, What director is is actually a show control um, live events control tool. It's ah. a front end for driving event presentation, sort of templates and pages. And, you know, you if you want a slideshow kind of thing, but you don't want to be there programming with nodes during a show or anything like that. So it's just a front end for, for running a show. So this is where your hotkeys would come in. For example, I mean, that's you can build your own or you can just, you know, our tool. What you can imagine our tool is, again, actually the opposite, where you had uh, a guy sitting at the back controlling the presentation mm. while the guy in front is doing jumping jacks and, and waving his hand around. Um <laughs> that's basically where director comes in because the guy at the back has, you know, a, a playlist of all the slides or presentation elements or, you know, graphics, things that are going to pop up or some sort of control. And he can just, it's a really simple user interface. that's really, really fast, you know, throw right. things in, trigger them, get them going, move over to this one. But the runtime is sort of the standalone mm-hmm. to start off. All you need really is a designer license because there's the engine is included in the designer license as well. Mm-hmm. And that'll work for any setup um, that's one machine. Um, So if, you know, however many graphics outputs you have on your machine, that's how many you can play out. And for a lot of projects, especially for, you know, getting going, that's that's the easy entry point. The important thing there is that Ventus, again, because of the kinds of projects we get into is inherently scalable. Mm-hmm. So when you want to do a video wall or, you know, big LED wall with high resolution and one machine isn't going to hack it, you can just add a second machine or a third machine to increase the capabilities. So, you know, people right now are talking about, you know, we can we have a 4K pipeline or something like that. So we have um, presentations or, or systems running on 75 times HD. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, massively clustered environments um, where it's almost like a real-time render farm. Right. We have all of these rend- you know, runtimes outputting in real-time graphics to a big board or a LED wall or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really depends. That's where the scalability starts in when you, you know, but for creating content, you need to design them and that's it. That's so cool. So technically, mm-hmm. all you would have to drag onto set is uh, your basically your, your project files that you've created yep. prior in your in your uh, yep. office and uh, just APC that's connected to X monitors. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Or I mean, that's the small setup, and then look, give you sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. Let's say um, a good example is um, the the presentation that was done by Qatar for the FIFA committee. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, you know, the highest end of presentation possible. This is a, a project, you know, it's a billion dollars or billions of dollars in results or whatever. So they go in with a budget of, I have no idea how many dollars. Um, <laughs> Way too many. And, you know, it's like, you know, 35 projectors and, you know, 18 machines and hollow projected glass and touch screen on the front, all of, you know, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, that's the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And anywhere in between. The one interesting thing for me is that what we're finding is so it doesn't matter if you're in broadcast graphics mm-hmm. or you're in in motion graphics design or you're in a museum installation or a concert or a corporate presentation, you're ending up using the same tool right. and the same skill sets. And that's always been really interesting for me coming from, you know, my, my 3D background and sort of working with post-production companies is that I've met so many people who are sort of tied up in one market. Mm-hmm. So I do post-production graphics or, you know, I do, um, you know, image films or whatever. And as that market changes, they sort of find themselves stuck. And one of the great things I've thought is that with Ventus, you can actually, without changing your skill set, all of a sudden be competitive in a whole number of markets or at least be available. Right. And I thought that was always cool. I mean, that might be interesting from your uh, listener's background is, is, you know, hey, this is something that I can do with using the skills I have. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, there's a lot more opportunities out there. And I don't know, maybe a lot of I don't know what the environment is for your guys. Is there enough work out there? Is there a lot of work? Are people there's a lot know, of work, saturated? Yeah. Yeah, cool. there's, there's not a lot of companies, but there's a lot of work that, you know, most of the companies pick up and the freelancers of course excellent yeah that's that's what we found as ventures operators right now it's it's um there's a lot of work but not enough people so that's always good yeah good environment to be in so um what let me ask let me ask you a question Um, so apart from after effects what are the sort of tools that you find yourself using a lot and the most interesting thing that i've asked everybody i come across when you're using after effects what are the plugins that you find yourself using a lot? <laughs> oh that is a good question let me open up my plugins folder the tools i use most well i design mostly in photoshop um i okay. create some some design elements in illustrator however the majority mm-hmm. of the industry uses illustrator i'm just one of the I, photoshop is what i learned and was what i know best what i'm fastest yeah, with yeah. Okay. Which is why I use it. Mostly. So here, here's a bit in between. So Inventus 5, you can just load a Photoshop file mm-hmm. and it'll actually put it in with all of the layers, all of the blends, all of the masks. What? Yeah. Re- so you can just, so you, you do your mock-up in Photoshop, load it into Ventus and you have all of the layers in composite, composited in Ventus. So then you can go to town from there. That is amazing. 
Yeah, it's, it's actually really fun. Uh, and I actually didn't believe it worked. So we got from a big broadcaster. I'm kind of like, yeah, this isn't going to work on a big file. You know, Photoshop, it gets really complicated. And designers, you know, they put 800 layers in there. So right. we got this big Photoshop file from this broadcaster. And they're kind of like, yeah, we dare you to try and load this in. So we uh, loaded it in. And it actually, it was like, 150 layers with all this weird stuff and you know block that stuff and actually loaded it perfectly and looked identical and they're like yeah yeah no but now no 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 load the layers and like these are the layers no no that's the rasterized image no load the layers and like, these are the layers what no that's, that's incredible so it actually worked. i mean i was really it was like Woo-hoo, it <laughs> but um the, the the interesting i mean what we can't do is we can't do the, like the layer effect stuff mm-hmm. obviously because you know that's very photoshop specific yeah. and the other thing is a text you know, when you bring in text, it has the rasterized text. You have to replace it then manually with Aventus real-time text element. Right. Um, but even so, having your mock-ups, having your designs right in there from scratch is great. That's an incredible start. That is yeah. a yeah. huge time saver. I uh, now we got to figure out if Illustrator will work. I haven't figured, we haven't got there yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> Or After Effects, that would be incredible too. Oh man, yeah, After Effects. You know, we've talked about that. Everybody wants it, but there's a huge problem with After Effects, and that is nobody uses After Effects. <laughs> Everybody uses the plugins inside of After Effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah lots of them. Yep. And, and and so for us, it has to be real time capable, right? So just bringing in After Effects, like you know, uh, you know, some rectangles flying around and, and and that sort of thing, and what would you get at the end of the day? You would bring in probably a whole bunch of pre-rendered movies. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of help. And anything that had any plugin and you'd have to render out. So that doesn't help you anything. So basically you would get, you know, a couple elements where you had the animation in Ventus. It's really not that helpful. Um, right. So unless we can figure out how to, and that's the, hence my question about the plugins. Yeah. If, hence we can figure out how to do a lot of that stuff in real time. Um, then, you know, it, it's really, there's not a lot of benefit of actually bringing After Effects in. Or maybe there is, maybe you have a different idea. Maybe. Well, in, in terms of FUIs, what mm-hmm. is used the most is probably Particular and Plexus. Right lately right uh using yeah. plexus everywhere but for yeah. the most part uh all the the regular stuff you know windows flying in popping up zooming in and yeah. out fading etc yeah. that's just shape layers animated for the most part okay. it's just okay. basic after effects animation engine and expressions lots and lots and lots of expressions that's mostly okay. what everybody in this industry uses at least yeah sort of for the wiggles and the yeah okay, yeah right, yeah exactly yeah. um okay. so that's it, yeah. And and for me personally, it's um, Plexus and uh, Particular and so basically all the all the trap code. Yeah, uh, the trap code stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they, so, I mean, they, those guys, those guys are. I mean, they had such good ideas. Yeah. It's really. I mean, it's really interesting. It's 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 rare to find a company that has completely defined sort of visual design oh, like for that. Sure. Yeah. But you have one company that everybody uses and their design look in some weird way is defined by those plugins and they've just i mean across the board everybody uses them it's stunning yeah. i mean that's yeah that's really impressive of those guys anyway absolutely there's also a problem with it that you know most of the stuff looks the same <laughs> exactly breaking out of that is of course hard yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah i mean plexus always looks like plexus you can't really change it so we've done a little naughty another little naughty thing in ventus 5 is we've actually introduced a whole layer-based compositing system nice with effects that are trimmed trim towards real time mm-hmm. so you know a lot of the after effects things that you do there's no way that's going to work in real time currently with the hardware you know in a couple of years obviously everything's going to work real time right. no matter what you throw at it but then 
After Effects will, or you know, the compositing guys will come up with things that you can't do in real time to make. You know? yeah. So it's a sort of a, it's an arms arms race going on there. But um, so what we've done is we built a layer based compositing system that's actually if you've used After Effects, you can actually pretty much sit down and use Ventus in the same way. That's so cool. So pre comping masks and then a lot of the effects like you know uh, blooms and glares and bl- uh, blurs and um, you know some motion blurs and all that sort of thing actually are real time effects. Now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to render it. So even just as if you're if you're not actually using the After Effects plugins and really a lot of the complex effects, then you can actually probably do the same thing you're doing in After Effects in Ventus as easily without ever having to render. Right. So yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I keep wondering how you would handle the Photoshop file I'm currently working on. It's <laughs> <laughs> we'll try it out. <laughs> it's yeah, uh, we'll have to at some point. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll fire up a WebEx and you can uh, give me a Photoshop file, we'll load it in, and see what happens. <laughs> it's about it's about thirty-two thousand layers at the moment. Thirty-two thousand layers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, holy cow! <laughs> wow. No, I am actually almost certain that there's no way we could handle that, but we can certainly try. <laughs> See what happens. Watch it implode. Oh yeah, yeah. For even Photoshop is starting to to have troubles. It's this really stupid workflow. It's basically just training for me, right? I'm trying to to okay, keep yeah. my design uh, thinking sharp and. Uh, <laughs> um, what I do is I just keep every layer as is every tiny stupid detailed dot in there is one layer inside a folder yeah that that kind of leads to those How ridiculous numbers that? I have no idea <laughs> <laughs> okay yes yeah, so basically all right fair enough huh um see this is this is another thing I found you know I, you know I've been in the graphics industry for oh gosh 16 years now mm-hmm. and uh uh-huh <laughs> I've always come across somebody's going to break no matter what you do. <laughs> somebody's, gonna break. somebody's coming up with something stupid that you've never thought of. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we were expecting people to come along with, you know, 200 layers mm-hmm. and figure, you know, that was going to be scary. 30, how many? 32,000. Yeah. In about 92 folders. Photoshop can handle that? Barely. <laughs> it, wow. it tends to so crash actually, every I'm, now I'm then. impressed with their engineering at this point because that's like... That's unexpected. I would have expected it to go down in flames. Yeah, um, and on top of that, there's a ton of masks and uh, layer effects. A ton of them. Wow. How long does that take to load? Uh, about <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, awesome. So, well, yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but I, I before yeah. I bring I it into... You- yeah, that file won't work in Ventus. There's no <laughs> way we can keep that in real time. Well, I mean, in real time, um, yeah. we can probably at some point it'll probably finish loading and then get. But there's no way it could handle it in real time because yeah, no, you have to remember every single layer yeah. is actually an internal computation. Yeah, and we have 16.7 milliseconds mm-hmm. to do frame right? right so we have to do all of our computations inside 16.7 milliseconds and i guarantee you there's no way we can do that <laughs> so oh. yeah i mean obviously if you're doing the this kind of graphics it is real time you do have to cater towards the of environment you know, no question same but, same for uh, after effects though if uh, before i bring it into after effects to animate it i consolidate everything down to about 100 200 layers Okay, yeah, that's fair. Then at that point, I'm sure that that would probably work in Ventus. Um, so yeah, we can definitely try it. But I'd still see. I'd like to see what happens to Ventus when he gets faced with. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you the phone. No worries. <laughs> it's not Watch even. It crawl slowly. <laughs> it, it's not even done yet, right? So I have to do about I don't know fifty or so layers more, if at least fifty so, more. I mean, as a joke, do you just like give that to customers? And say, Here's my file. <laughs> I would love to. 
Yeah, oh, God, just, just once. Can you change that? No, it's in layer, you know, 7,853. Uh, you know, you can try changing it if you want, but I'm not touching it. <laughs> <laughs> um, saving, saving is so scary because every second, every every other time or so, it, it tends to crash Photoshop. So yeah, okay. uh, four yeah. hours of work could be gone or not. It just yeah, sometimes sorry. it takes up to 10 minutes to save. Okay, well, it's I mean, an exercise. It's sort of like a Zen thing, right? You know? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so we've implemented this whole 2D uh, compositing engine that it's sort of geared again towards real time. So you yeah. can do a lot of stuff. I mean, I wouldn't want to work with, you know, 200 layers in, in Ventus. Um, yeah. You want to sort of more in an After Effects style thing where, you know, you're working with 30, 40, whatever. Um, but you do a lot of pre-comps and, and stuff like that. The other thing that we've done is we've um, rewritten the 3D engine for mm -hmm. Ventus because one of the things we notice is we've been using this engine and we've been updating it, but the engine we had, I mean, this is from 11 years ago, was the origin and it was time for a new engine. And we sort of always look to the computer games industry. Mm -hmm. you know, what are they doing? Um, and if you look at the new engines, you know, the um, the Unreal 4 and, and, and Frostbite and all of those engines coming out. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the trailers for Battlefront 3, for I example. Have, yeah. You know, stunning quality that's possible on a game engine now. And so we're sitting there going, hmm, you know why can't we do this in a professional environment? And we happen to have like some of the top 3D guys there are. They're all from the old demo scene. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you know, the old, I the do. old days back in demo scene, 64. So um, a lot of our programmers are well known in the demo scene. Um, and um, Smart choice hiring them. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, tell us about it. And it's, you know, so I've always sort of, you know, been around that, you know, seeing, keeping an eye on it. And, and, and we knew a lot of the people and Germany has always had top guys in the demo. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, and so, you know, there were our, our developments up in Hamburg and, you know, they're up in Hamburg and at some point, you know, they were noticing they all work for games companies, but the games companies were kind of, you know, the German games, it's mostly browser games. They're really successful. Yeah. But if you're a hardcore demo scene 3D coder, that's not going to make your working life happy, right? Yep. So we come along and say, hey, you know, you can use the same skill set, but in a professional environment and you can go to town and do crazy stuff. And that's what we want. They're like, woohoo. <laughs> you know? So we happen to have some unbelievably smart and talented guys when it comes to real time stuff. And so, you know, they're the guys that are looking, you know, saying, you know, hey, we kind of like some of this, you know, image based lighting. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's no problem. You know, and usually first they go, oh, I don't know, real time, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, three days later, you have this amazing real -time image based <laughs> lighting system. And you're like, how did you do that? Oh, well, you know, I hacked some of this. And it's like, really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I found out that they were actually, you know, this and this company was actually doing it wrong. So now we did it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, my favorite one was the, the text engine where uh, we had this, you know, we have one of the biggest things. And this is if you're doing real time graphics, people underestimate text mm -hmm. is like 90 percent of your work. It is. Yeah. Text elements, you know. And so people always are really bored with you talking about your text engine because they're like, yeah, so it's text. Oh, fuck but that. at the same time, that's 90% of your, what you're actually putting on screen. Absolutely. And it's so important to have, you know, quality text and stuff. So we had this, you know, typical real-time 3D text engine. And so one of these, you know, our, one of our main 3D coders, when he just started, he sort of looked at it and goes like, are you kidding me? This is the quality of your text. That's terrible. We can do, you know, it's like, and we're like, well, look, you know, we can't. And within, you know, really sh amazing time, he now has this, we have this text engine that's based on um, basically a similar sort of a distance field kind of system mm -hmm. um, that's, you know, resolution independent. So you're doing text at, you know, 
8K whatever um, resolution on the video wall and it's absolutely crisp edges and you can zoom all the way in with no blurs or anything like that, but it's real time. So you can be flipping out whole paragraphs of text within one frame. And you think to yourself, well, yeah, so what? I do that in Word, hmm. but you don't. Word is actually, it doesn't have to do it within one frame. And you may not notice that, but you're just you know, doing one character at a time and that kind of thing. Yeah. But if you're in a real-time environment and you're doing Chinese, for example, mm -hmm. you have to be able to flip out any one of 65,000 characters oh, yeah. at a super high quality render within a single frame. And maybe they could do a whole paragraph or a whole wall of text. You know, if you're doing some graphic design, you have these, you know, scrolling text walls in the back. And you need to change that out on the fly. And so people don't understand. We have to have the entire character set pre-rendered in memory, ready to go at, you know, a fraction of a second's notice. That's crazy. And be able to have it at super high quality. And these are like the sorts of problems that you never come across and you never even think of uh, until you get there. And so now all of a sudden we have this amazing text engine. People say, yeah, so it's text. But no, look what you can do. And it's like, so if you want to make, you know, touch capable um, text or you want to be able to um, drive the text from a, uh, maybe social media, you know, embed social media into your graphics. Yeah. Uh, why somebody would want to do that, I have no idea, but people <laughs> seem to do that. Um, it's like, can you do social media? Well, yes, we can. Why? <laughs> but, oh, oh, I can but, actually uh, ask them this. Uh, yeah, I, I used to work for uh, Prozim, and uh, we had a, okay. we had we had a web show there, and we wanted to have a lower third that would put out tweets at with a certain hashtag while that was going on for um right. for the for the hosts to read out or for um, kind of games or whatever yeah. you want to play. Yeah. So yeah, that that's kind of where that came from for us. So and, and that's exactly the sort of thing where where. Up to now, you've either had to have some sort of software that had, you know, a Twitter plugin with this and that and the other, and then, you know, try and figure out how to hack it in your graphics. But yep. with us, that's what we're built for. So you don't need a Twitter plugin. We just have either a JSON feed or an XML feed or a um, RSS feed that just goes directly into the software. You can build logic around it so that if your text is longer than this, then automatically scale it down. Or if your text does this, then wrap it to a different text node or whatever you want, mm -hmm. you know, have it flying around, do whatever you want. But the text is still live. So, you know, when your hopefully curated social media <laughs> comes into your system, yep. and not just some random thing of some guy uh, tweeting, <laughs> uh, then, then, you know, it comes into the system and it immediately gets put up, but it gets passed through all this logic in our system that, you know, you as an artist have built that, that says, okay, do this with it, make it look like this, shade it like this, you know, give it this nice texture, but then you're, you know, updating it on the fly. Um, and that's really the whole reason to use a real-time system is that the data can be live. Um, the data hasn't, it doesn't have to be canned or you know, pre-rendered or anything like that. Yeah, right on. How about write-on text? So this is something I saw when I was just uh, in, in Vancouver. Um, they shot me Adobe Director file for uh, a certain movie. And what you could do is, as the actor, you sit down with a with a keyboard that's plugged in to uh, a mm -hmm. PC and you could write random stuff on it and yep. text would appear as you write. Can you do that too? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a node that um, I can't remember what the node is called, but you put it in and it just recognized a uh, text input. And then what it actually does is it recognizes the text input as a string. Mm -hmm. And then you pipe that into whatever you want to do with it. So you could have it just 
going up on on screen, but you could also have it, you know, being translated through some sort of, um, you know, string processing, or you could have it, you know, going into a shaded text, or you could have it, you know, in a 3D text or wrapped around or whatever you want to do with it. Once the string is inside the system, then we have all of this logic stuff that allows you with nodes to sort of I hate to use the word, but almost program, mm-hmm. you know, but you're using nodes to combine logic to say, okay, when it goes through this, and then you make the text a little bit shorter, and then you take out any character that's like this, and then, you know, and you just build a sort of a node flow chart with that, that processes the data. So you can do really whatever you want once it's in there. That's so cool. And the other thing, of course, is that, you know, if you want to make it touch uh, capable, you know, we, rather than you having to program touch, one of the things we've done for years, um, actually before the whole multi-touch thing actually started, is be touch sensitive. So we have a whole bunch of touch nodes built in, so you don't actually ever have to program anything like that. Mm. Um, if you want, you know, you maybe you have a 3D model, you want to be able to spin it, or you want to be able to make a slider or a button, it's just a single node you put in there, and that passes events out. So if you touch it, if you hold it, if you if you um, your touch enters it, your touch leaves, anything like that, that's just passing out events. And again, anybody familiar with the director will sort of understand the concept. So you're getting these events, and then you use those events to trigger something else, like maybe an animation or trigger a um, maybe a data pass or uh, something like that. Mm-hmm. So you just build up your touch logic just using nodes, but that's sort of a little bit divorced or separated from the graphic design. So you have on the one hand, you're building this nice graphic design, you're building a beautiful button. And this is the very front, you just put a touch node, put that in, right? So now that whole graphic element is touchable. Mm. And then you say, okay, but I have an animation for this button. I want it to twizzle or do whatever it does. So then you say, okay, this animation will be triggered when I'm touched. You just make a tie that way. And then you say, okay, but now the button has to do something. So then you attach a whole bunch of logic to that button so that when you've touched it, it triggers the animation and then does whatever you want it to do. And that's that whole nonlinear sort of logic system that's uh, that our node uh, environment is built for. That is so cool. Speaking of, could you make the whole screen basically one invisible touch button that fires off every time it's touched, uh, one, after ma- uh, one animation after another, basically a timeline? Oh, sure, yeah, that's about honestly about 10 seconds work <laughs> because that's basically what I'm not kidding you I'm not actually kidding you <laughs> that's crazy no because you know when you give an actor a phone and uh, right. they should do something on screen it's yeah. easier to control it yourself because they could fuck something up and right. then you have to do right. the take again but if you just if you give them basically to touch anywhere and they just follow where the button is uh, makes it a lot easier to do that sort of absolutely. thing absolutely and one of the things I mean I've always seen you know and, and this is sort of a spiel that I've been doing for years, but if you look at what Hollywood is producing, so, and it doesn't, and I use Hollywood as a metaphor, but look at Iron Man, you know, Tony Stark with Jarvis, you know, look at Avatar, you know, the, the, the computer interface, look yeah. at Minority Report. I mean, Minority Report was the beginning of all that. Yeah. Crap. It's, it's amazing to this day. And everybody I talk to goes, yes, the first thing a customer will do is come and say, okay, I want Minority Report. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> Dude, that movie is like 15 years old. Can we move on, please? Yeah, like, yeah. No, Minority Report. Okay. But I mean, that sort of thing. Hollywood has been dictating the visual expectations of basically the world as to what the future is supposed to look like. Yep. And, you know, it doesn't matter what movie you look at. There's a certain look and a certain dynamic that people have come to associate with technology leading, futuristic, whatever it is. And, you know, if you if you look at sort of our, our YouTube channel, you'll see a lot of our customers are using that same visual language. Mm-hmm. But the whole touch sensitivity, touch interactive, multi-touch, 
gesture-based stuff. What's really interesting to me is a lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of it is actually really stupid. I mean, Minor Minority Report is the best example. <laughs> if you had to work with the computer like that, mm. imagine working an Excel sheet all day, waving your arms around. <laughs> I mean, you would have like biceps of steel. I mean, yes. you could tell a bank, like, you know, a bank teller, you could tell from a mile away because they look like Schwarzenegger. It doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense. That's what people want because that's what they associate with the future, mm -hmm. you know? And I thought that was really, really interesting that we've built this sort of whole completely nonsensical and often ways kind of almost idiotic sort of view of what the future should look like. And now it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because everybody's running that way because that's what we've been told the future <laughs> should look like. Um, but if you sit down, that's exactly the kind of thing that we've really been good at, at doing mm -hmm. because multi-touch and gesture-based and all of those sort of things, that's all very much event-driven logic behind a system that's driving graphics. So when you press a button and a whole bunch of graphical rings start spinning and fading in and fading out and unfolding, that's a very clever animation that is triggered by a single touch point. There's no reason for that animation. It doesn't help anything. But it's what we've come to expect. And that's really sort of what our system is, is actually it's one of the things we're best at. Mm. Um, it's a little bit sad <laughs> when I think about it now. But um, that, and, and so what we've seen is that and I think it might be interesting is that, like you were talking about a lot of those movie sets where they're on set. And, you know, if, if you want Tony Stark or CSI Miami or something that has a big touch screen with sort of, you know, holographic projected rings, we can do that. We do that all the time. Right now, a lot of that is post-produced and somebody's triggering it behind the show. Hmm. But why not make it work? Why not make it actual? It's easier for the actor. Yeah. It's easier for, you know, everybody involved. And uh, it doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to then rely on, on accurate timing from behind the set. Um, it behaves the way it does. And if you want to change something, you change something. It's not, you know, it's a real-time environment again. So that would be an interesting thing. We've never really gone to that market. Mm -hmm. Um, but it'd be interesting to actually talk and uh, talk to some people. Oh yeah, for sure. How about a particle system? I think I saw one when I uh, had it open last. Actually, no. No? Um, particle system is one of the big things that's still missing. There is, we have a shader-based particle system mm -hmm. um, that was like, it was like a, a different company wrote it for Ventus. It was kind of like a, you know, a, a trap code kind of a thing, right? right yeah. um, we want to do it right. And we didn't have enough time to really put it in Ventus 5. So it's coming. It's definitely one of the next things we're working on. Cool. The big thing about a particle system, and I'm, <clears throat> as a graphic artist, I'm sure you'll agree with me. Particle systems, it doesn't matter what the capabilities are. It stands and falls with the usability. Absolutely. You know, you can have a super simple particle system. Technically, if it has a great interface and easy to use, that'll get you 95% of the way. Yeah. And so we need to think of how we want to make an interface that's artist friendly that's usable and intuitive and, and, and really easy to just sit down. And, and honestly, I don't know many particle systems out there that really are easy to use. Yeah, I agree with that. Do, do, you, know, do you know of any? No, I'm <laughs> I've been looking at you and it's like, yeah, I mean, everything I've looked at has been kind of, um, they're all a little bit clunky and they require you to think about things that you shouldn't, as an artist, be required to think about. Yeah, you got to think around a couple of corners with uh, particular in, in particular. <laughs> in particular, right. <laughs> ha -ha. Uh. Um, I don't know. It's been one of those things. I, and again, you know, the, actually back when I worked for Softimage, um, for XSI, that was one of our biggest weak points for years. Um, the particle system was just absolutely atrocious. Mm. And so we improved it. And then finally, uh, XSI came around with ICE, 
mm-hmm. which was sort of a real procedural system, sort of, you know, very Houdini-esque kind of thing. And that yeah. was phenomenal. And that really changed the whole thing. But it took years to get there. And even that was kind of, it was so technical that a lot of artists then had trouble making it do what they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seems for me, for me, it's always that it's a very fine line. You want to have the control, but at the minute you get too technical, it just gets impossible to wield. And if you don't have enough control, you can't ever get the look you want. And trying to get an interface right, that's a lot. So anyway, that's the sh- long story short. We, we, we need to put some real thought into it to make it right rather than just, you know, throwing, I mean, the technical part, the back end part of making a particle system is not the issue. Yeah. But uh, getting it right is, is, is a really tough, tough task. Sure, so yeah. See about that one. Yeah. If you have ideas, yeah, let me know. That would, that would be, you know. If I can come up with something. <laughs> Well, I mean, just, you know, what, what kind of things do you do in particles? Um, you know, the, the problem that we've always had is people say particles and mean lots of different things. Mm-hmm. So for, for me, when I say particles, actually smoke and flame and that sort of thing are the smallest fraction of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Little, little wobbling dust things, you know, little dust particle things. That's also, that's irrelevant. We can do that with a vertex cloud. You know, you don't need... A particle system for that. Yeah. So really, where particles get interesting is for um, streaks, ribbons, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, not even just sparks. Sparks happen, you know, all the time. Yeah. Um, that's easy to do again too. But those like rib- ribbons and streaks and, and 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 light wave kind of things, and that's that's much more interesting um, as a particle system. But again, I'd be interested to hear what kind of things you got you would do with a particle system. I can actually show you uh, if you can open links or not. I don't know, but yeah, sure. Um, sure just for the listeners, I linked uh, Gmunk Sony cat and mouse thing because when you scroll down there, you have the face that is being scanned and whatnot, and that's a lot of different that that's particular and uh, a bit of plexus in there. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, both both particle systems, and that's basically what you would do. So if you click through there, that's all plexus. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that sort of thing. Just uh, basically right. ha- have the particles create um, a 3D, like a CAD file or something, um, make it look, you know, more interesting. Or the other thing would be particle streams, as in you have, I don't know, an antimatter containment field. You have to visualize right, right. that, which is usually just, just a, a cloud of wobbly particles. So, so like this face thing, right? So all that, I mean, in the face part, the scanning, that's really almost a mesh just converted to points, right? Yep, pretty much, yep. So that we can actually do. Cool. Yeah, that we could actually do. Um, that would be the tool because what we can do is instead of rendering uh, the mesh, we just render the individual points and then you attach uh, sprites to the points, mm. um, which is like a texture file. And then you can displace the mesh with a different texture. So you wrap a UV wrap a texture around the mesh and then displace it using a black and white, you know, animate it, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. But I would guess that probably... Um, you'd want a little bit more control and a little bit finer things. But I mean, probably you could, with Ventus, you could actually get your way there. But it'd be, oh, that's, that's nice, by the way. Yeah, um, yeah. Cool. But I mean, that's the sort of thing that, I mean, yeah, um, you probably could hack your way around in Ventus right now, but um, you'd want to do, you want more control. And then the minute you start wanting to get into some really clever shading or some really interesting effects or stuff mm-hmm. like that. The big problem I have is actually Ventus 5 because of um, the way that it's structured. We've added so much creative creative possibility to it that I don't know yet what we can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it is a little bit weird. I mean, it's, we've completely, we've actually, it, we've almost written a new software. It's, it's um, I've, 
came it came to the point the other day. Our, our CTO was sitting down, and he's a he's he's not a he's a German engineer. You know? mm-hmm, yeah, <laughs> he's not a graphic artist. He's brilliant. He's really smart and stuff like that. But he's never been a designer. And all of this, he's like, man, this is so much fun. I'm just, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm clicking, and there's some pretty things on my screen, and it looks good, and I can do this. And I'm like, wow, okay. You know, if my CTO is having fun doing creative work, we've done something right. right? For sure, so, yeah. And, and you know, he's, and, but we're, we're constantly finding, hey, you know, somebody will call somebody up, have you seen what I just did? And we're all like, what, what, what? And he shows us some graphic where he's, you know, put a, put a like a, a, a motion blur on, you know, some mesh that's being warped by a texture that's coming through a live video that's yeah. plugged into a 3D math, you know, some weird thing like, you can do that. Holy crap. <laughs> Go back, you know, try it out and say, oh my God, this is amazing. So who would have thought that? Um, <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's actually gotten really fun. We're, we're breaking it left, right and center. But uh, yeah. a lot of the possibilities are just stuff that we've never been able to do. I don't know of any software where that was really possible. So a good, a good example is live video. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We're built for live video. So you want live video to control something. It's, it's a texture inventive, so you can map it to any object. And have that affect the shading, but you could also be a displacement map or, or anything like that. That was my next uh-huh. question. <laughs> Non-conform yeah, screens oh, in yeah. projection mapping. But yeah, yeah, no, good. Yeah. Oh, screens. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, one of the first things that Ventus actually started doing when the beginning was the idea of, it was for events. So we needed to be able to handle projectors, um, handle large video walls, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. What we actually have, what we did in Ventus 4 is so last version is we implemented a whole blending, shaping, warping, soft edge, yada, yada system mm-hmm. that works for our clustering environment, right? Because we have, you can cluster Ventus machines. So now we add the capability to overlap and all that sort of thing. But right. what we also did was allow you to set up your screens of the entire cluster however you want. Damn. So let's say, for example, you have a you know, single HD thing, right? Mm-hmm. But now you want that on 16 screens. Now it still remains 16 by 9, but all of a sudden you're on four machines, each with four screens. Yeah. So Ventus handles that automatically. You don't have to do anything. You go in your setup thing, say, I need four machines, each with four screens. They're arranged like this. Do it. Done. Then the cool, and actually, I mean, this is one of those ones we're seeing is believing. There's a video somewhere of me being stupid on YouTube, but I actually show this working. I hate videos of me doing stuff, but there is actually one of that stuff. Um, but the the also the whole set tool set in there is also for you know projectors. So with overlap, edge blending, shaping, warping, you know your mad mapper kinds of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. The one thing that we don't do, which uh, you know some softwares do, is we don't do true 3D projection blends. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you're mapping to a car. You know, we handle all of the warping and blending and all of that, and that's fine. But if you want a 3D projection blend, we don't have a specialized tool set for that. You can do it in Ventus. One of the things we're just introducing with Ventus 5, and I, I don't know if you've seen the maybe the videos or stuff, but we worked with uh, Maxon with Cinema 4D. Yeah. And we're cooperating with them. So one of the coolest things that we've done is that it allows um, Cinema 4D and Ventus to talk together in real time. Mm. So you can model and UV in Cinema, and it's updating in Ventus live right yeah so that allows you if you're doing projection mapping that allows you to do the following set up your projectors right have cinema on your laptop and you're tweaking the uvs of the mesh in ventus that is being used by the projectors to projection map on that's so cool 
So rather than us having to build a whole specialized tool set, you're actually using Cinema, which, you know, you're going to be familiar yeah. with. It's, they have a lot more tools than we're able to do, right? So, you know, they have, we, why reinvent the wheel? They already have all the tools. Right. So that you can just sit there and tweak and pull points and pull UVs and stuff like that. And your projectors are then, you know, aligned and you can adjust their alignment with cameras and all of that sort of thing. Hmm. But what we don't have, if you compare us to, gosh, a tool, I don't know, um, maybe like a D3 or something like that, mm -hmm. the whole automated uh, projector setup stuff. It's yeah. still for us, it's manual work. You have to do that. And that's a little bit of where our sort of um, uh, one jack of all trades thing falls down is, you know, there are areas where there's going to be a specialized tool set that we just don't have. If you're doing projector, 3D projection map, Ventus is great for it, mm -hmm. but we won't have a lot of the super specialized tools that you'll find in you know some of the other uh, projects that only do 3D projection mapping. Right. Um, so you have to work your way around it or hack your way around it uh, to do that. That's so cool. Um, but I mean, the screen setup stuff is super easy, especially for video walls. It's great. And you know, if you have like Christie micro tiles or um, the, the Ivis Omni shapes or something like that, which are like weird shapes. Yeah. Yeah. Then you just map it out. So um, I think uh, ISE, so February last year, on uh, we had a booth on, at ISE. It's a big uh, trade show for um, event technology mm -hmm. stuff. And we had uh, we had an Ivis Omni shape wall that was sort of curved and was using those. Um, they have hexagonal screens. Yeah. Yeah. So we were using those. Worked great. Really, really cool. That's so cool. Yeah, that's fun. Uh, have you seen the work that Two Rise does? Oh yeah, I know them. I know them well. They're based here in Munich. Actually. Yeah, I know. I know. There's about a half an hour away from me. Yeah. Oh, oh really? Are you here? You're here as well? Yeah. Cool. I didn't oh, know okay, you I were didn't. in Munich. <laughs> I'm in Munich too. Was, oh, why are we doing this by Skype? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, we could have met up. But, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah. Okay. We'll go for a coffee afterwards. Um, sure. The the um, yeah Two Rise. I know them well. They originated also from one of the first. Uh, actually from the first Ventus creative agency, um, uh, Stereolize. Um, they were, they're, Dennis and Tassilo are super gifted, um, uh, talented guys, with great eye for design. Yeah. And they sort of set up their own, uh, uh, their own shop after a while. Um, Stereolize is one of the, the big creative uh, agencies for Ventus. They're the first ones uh, that started off Ventus. Oh. So they're one of the big, you'll see a lot of their, their content. Um, and uh, Two Rise are um, sort of a, a a couple guys that sort of said, Hey, you know, we have this great designer. We've been using Ventus. Let's, you know, do our own thing, set off on their own. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen from them is they have particular design and, and talent for doing that UI um, motion graphics look. That's, it's really cool. Yeah. Um, they're basically then, building interactive FUIs over there. It's crazy. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's one of the reasons they've, you know, they've stuck with Ventus and they, they use it is for exactly that. So they can make those FUI stuff that normally would be pre-rendered, they can make it actually working, yeah. right? So it actually does what it does and it's interactive and you click on things and it really happens. But they're, they're using that same school of design and, and, and look and feel for their Ventus graphics. Mm -hmm. um, which is actually slightly different to a lot of the graphics companies that we work with um, come much more from a post-production yeah. sort of, uh, concept where they're using a lot more or games production and they all have slightly different uh, visual aesthetics. So they do very, very cool things, but it has a little bit of a different visual. But Two Rise specifically has that visual aesthetic from the, um, uh, the F-Screen set. And it's, it's really, it's actually, it, it sort of distinguishes them. Um, sure. They, and I, I think, I mean, some of their work 
I mean, I, I sometimes jokingly refer to it, let's just add more lines, right? <laughs> you know, how, many, how many rotating and moving lines can you pack into a design? But um, So many. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you could, re- you could really go to town. Um, but they've, the, the beauty of the system for, for that was that they can always test something mm-hmm. and change it on the fly. They don't, it's not a re-render, right? You test them, you immediately see what it'll do. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's, you know, really powerful for, um, especially when you're working with customers and the customers come back, can you change this? Can you change that? Can you change this? Oh, can you put it back? And you, you know, you're not in, okay, let me re-render it. Let me re-render it. Let me, let me see what it'll look like. Re-render it, you know, give you a pre-comp. Okay. No, you just change it. This is what it'll look like. You don't like that. Okay. We'll change it back. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's also a little dangerous because then the customer gets used to being able to change things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on either. You know, so there's, there's a little bit of. Uh, customer control that needs to go into their customer management. Yeah. Uh, no, two guys. I mean, uh, Dennis and Tassolo uh, and the guys, and they've grown. I mean, they're, they started off with two guys and now I don't know how many people there are there, but uh, they've really, they've really gone. And they've been very successful with their looks. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like do you, know, do you know them personally or uh, uh, not yet. I definitely plan on having them on the podcast if they are willing, but uh, I've yet to get in contact. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me know. I'll give you the contacts. They're, uh, cool. And they're, they're really nice guys. So, um, and actually, I mean, that's the other thing. Is it's, it's weird. I mean, most of the most of the Ventus guys are really, really nice people. I mean, mm-hmm. We have all, you know, every single country we have, you know, people doing really crazy, weird stuff, and they're all really, really friendly and, and cooperate, and, and and it's really nice. Uh, it's a yeah. nice community as well. It's small still, but um, it's really, really nice. So yeah, yeah, cool. Sounds like Ventus is stupidly powerful. I like it. Uh, stupid <laughs> stupid is the right word yeah um and i mean honestly and I'll, i will be honest i mean i think especially for sort of your guys's environment up to ventus 5 it, w- it would have been a fairly scary tool yeah um a very very steep learning curve very difficult so um you know i think ventus 5 really changes it so that it becomes accessible especially to your listeners mm-hmm. um, that is actually something interesting i mean it's a little bit i don't know if you're familiar with houdini yeah i am um you know so back in the good old days right when you were in 3d you know there was the sort of normal 3D operator and then there was the crazy Houdini guy, yep, right? Yep. And the Houdini <laughs> guy could do stuff that nobody else could do. Yep. And, but you look at the tool and you just get, you know, bleeding eyes and a headache just from, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. And so for a long time, Ventus was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we've made the step to, you know, let's be a tool that everybody who's in the graphics field can just pick up and at least figure out how to use. They won't get to the bottom of it not necessarily, you don't need to, certainly not in the first steps, but you're going to be able to immediately sit down, work, create, be effective. Mm-hmm. And then as you work more and more with it, you're going to pick up more and more of the logic behind it. Oh, hey, you know, if I don't want to manually do this, I can have it automatically do it. And then I can have it automatically do it when I push a button. And then I can have it automatically do it when the user uh, uses a touchscreen or whatever like that. Right, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's sort of a, a growing um, growth possibility within the software rather than this, uh, w- what we used to do, which is just hammer you with this wide open canvas <laughs> and, you know, uh, 900 million possibilities of which none are intuitive. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's really, you know. That's, so you're more, gonna, no? Good. Go ahead, go ahead. So you're more Cinema 4D than Houdini now? Yes. And we're trying to, we're trying to be, I mean, what we are actually, I think, and it's, it's uh, funny that this is happening now is uh, sort of uh, Cinema 4D has now just put the Houdini engine in, mm. you know, so you, so we're, we're kind of like that. And what we've actually found is the combination of C4D, which 
uh, I mean, you know, okay, I'm an old soft image guy. I have sort of, you know, religious affiliations to 3D software. <laughs> but cinema has become a really easy to use tool. Yeah. You know, it really has. Um, they do what they do really, really well. And for me, the, what they do really, really well is exactly the field that we're in. Motion graphics, yeah. you know, graphic elements that move. You know, if you're doing a huge, um, massive pipeline with complex pieces and stuff like that, you know, cinema can do parts and pieces and that, that sort of thing. But that's in a weird way, not what it's I, you know built for. But for this motion graphics stuff, for creating the visual elements, doing all it's stunningly easy to use and it's so comfortable. So, hmm. and I mean, for us, they were based in Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, we know where they live. Uh, they know who we are. We can, you know, just pick up a phone, call each other. So the cooperation was just sort of intuitive for us. And actually, we've all been really surprised by how successful or effective it is because we didn't, we weren't sure going into it what exactly we thought, you know, maybe we do some sort of C4D import or something like that. But actually being able to just model and texture and cinema, have it inside Ventus without needing to do anything was kind of surprising for everybody. Yeah, for sure. And it just makes everybody's workflow easier because now, you know, you're building your 3D within your compositing system. Yeah. That's right. Um, so yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing. So I, I'd really be interested actually in the feedback from people like you and your listeners who, who are after effects c4d you know director kinds of people mm-hmm. who haven't touched ventus who sit down for it for the first time and go wow okay this makes sense this makes no sense whatsoever where's my button for this why does it do this you know but this is great that's what i'd love to hear because what we get right now is you know a lot of experienced ventus users or people who are very technical in their field sitting down and using it and they will never pick up on a lot of the kinds of things that you guys pick up on right but because we're really trying to gear the tools for you as well um, we need to hear that um, so actually it's a you know open invitation to, you know if you're if you're interested opening up a, a beta program where people please you know sit down try it out tell us what you think cool um give us suggestions and and that's another thing is that we're very very open to that we're an open company as well so. all right link will be in the and link dump awesome um so we'll um we'll give you guys sort of basically there's gonna be like a sign up thing where you can just send an email in and it'll sign you up to a list or something like that um i think we're sort of sort of still working out the details so with with the usual caveats of we are a something company and this is a forward-looking statement that kind of you know don't name lead to a door if it doesn't happen <laughs> <laughs> so yeah right on uh i think awesome. this is a good point to end on Perfect. Yeah. Is there anything else you would like to, to, to say or to ask or to, I don't know. You know, honestly, honestly, we should sit down for a coffee and, you know, we can talk at each other for several hours, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I think the most important thing is it, it's an interesting field. Um, it's an interesting piece of software. It's something different. And for us, it's really good because a lot of the people listening to you won't have heard of Ventus. And this is an advantage for us because if they heard of Ventus and tried it a couple of years ago, they might think, oh, I tried that. It was way too steep a learning curve. So now it's probably the best time for you and your people to really start thinking and looking at it. Yeah. And most of all, um, it's a great time to talk to us because we're thinking about you guys now. Mm-hmm. Maybe four years ago, we, we wouldn't have been. But now we're thinking about, so your input is very, very highly valued as well. Cool. Um, and I think it's be really, really nice to hear, you know, what, what people would like to do with it, what sort of ideas they have. Because oh, yeah. I'm sure, as has always been the case with us, people are going to come up with stuff that we had in no way anticipated. 
and maybe it'll work and maybe it won't and you know we'll figure it out and if if there's something we can do we really would like to hear about it so yeah absolutely wonderful Uh, thank you so much eric thank you thank you so much um it was brilliant and um thanks everyone for listening and uh, go out and play sometime thank you all okay take care